All right, well, welcome to this episode of the Texas Tech edition of the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jackson Moody, and it is the offseason, but we still have recruits to talk about. We got a guy in football. We lost another guy in football. We're going to talk about that. Yvonne Carrion is not coming to Texas Tech as we speak. He has decommitted, and then we got a couple guys in baseball and left-handed pitcher Max Huffling. From ACU, who was very good against us, was he good against the other teams he played? Uh, we'll talk about that. And then infielder Cade McGee listed as a third baseman. He was a 2022 WCC Freshman of the Year. He played for that Gonzaga team that we beat, swept in that four-game series to open the season, and also made the tournament as a two-seed in 2022. He was a big part of that. And we got a guy in basketball. Plus... Since it's the offseason, we are going to talk about my absolute favorite thing to discuss, conference realignment. And, well, I hate talking about it, but I'll talk about how I would like to see the Big 12 run, an outside-the-box idea. And, of course, since I, have, I get to talk about that, not have to get to talk about that, where I'm also going to say one thing I love and hate from the world of sports for the past week. All right, so we'll start with the good news on the football front, and there are some good news for Texas Tech. Eddie Davis, or sorry, Eddie Smith. I don't know why I said Davis. I think I was looking at another recruit. Eddie Smith, a 6'6", 250-pound defensive end from Perlin, Texas, has committed to Texas Tech. He's a three-star on 247 and a man. 6'6", 250 D end. That guy is a beast. That guy fits the frame of what Joey McGuire, Tim DeRuiter want on that defensive front. It's a really good pickup for Texas Tech. The class is continuing to grow. Um, We have probably four, five, six silent commitments. I think there was a silent D commitment or something like that. But we have four, five, or six silent commitments. We also... Added another guy. If you pay attention to their bat signals, and it seems like Micah Hudson said he was coming. I, I don't know that he is. It seemed like he silently committed. But it seems like if you read in between the lines, I'm going to go here first. Yvonne Carrion has decommitted from Texas Tech. He was a four-star receiver. He got interest from OU. He decommitted today. What I believe happened... Um, so if you believe what I believe, and maybe, maybe I'm completely wrong. Maybe Micah Hudson is not coming to Texas Tech, but everybody's crystal ball seems to be saying Texas Tech for him. He's a receiver. Five star. Anthony Beckel Roman is another guy Texas Tech is in for. Could be announcing soon. And Yvonne, he's also a wide receiver. Most likely he's listed as an athlete. But likely a wide receiver. That's what he mainly plays in high school. Yvonne Carrion decommitted today. A few hours after, some bat signals went up. The the let's go stuff, whatever the coaches tweet to signal that there's a recruit. Is it, and I have no insider information, just guessing here. Is it possible that Micah Hudson's coming, Roman's coming, and they look at it and say, all right, carry on. Doesn't want to be the third wide receiver in the class. He has interest from OU. Quite possibly. 
Quite possibly. If it was my guess, he's going to OU. Possible he goes somewhere else, for sure. But carry on. It is a loss. But before anybody freaks out about this, and he's a four-star wide receiver, he would have been a great pickup, great addition. Before anybody freaks out that we lost a four-star wide receiver, cool your jets a little bit. Let's wait a week or two and see if we get any other receivers in this class before we call this a loss. Now, we have commitments in three different sports to talk about, which is really cool. Also some cool women's soccer news that we'll get to. But we're going to move to basketball for now. Deshaun Jackson, or Deshaun Jackson, I haven't got to learn the pronunciation of his first name. We won't really get to learn that because he has decommitted from Texas Tech. It, it is nothing where he can stand by his commitment for a week or anything like that. It seems like it may be medical stuff with him. He had those issues before. I hope he gets it figured out, has a good career. But Devin Cambridge from Arizona State, he was originally committed to Oregon. He has flipped. He is coming to Texas Tech. This is a huge pickup. He's a senior, 6'6", 215, averaged 9.8 points a game, 5.4 rebounds, and a little under assist a game. He's a shooting guard primarily. This is a huge pickup. A guy that can score for Texas Tech, and now he's not a double-digit scorer. I get that. He also had a reverse jam, or a reverse dunk against TCU in the second round. I'm sorry, in the first round. It was their second game. Uh, he logged 22 minutes in their tournament game against TCU, 26 minutes against Nevada, and in the Pac-12 semifinal, he logged 25 minutes against Arizona. He did the same against USC in the quarterfinal. This guy is a really big pickup. He got 15 points in the first four game. He is a good shooter from the field. He's 50.4% from the field, 33.3% from three. This is exactly what you want. And I got to say, I was feeling, I, I was pretty down on this basketball season. I believe that right now, and no, we. I'm sorry, no. Texas Tech is not competing to win the Big 12 this season in basketball. No. But... If you're looking at how the program's going, Grant McCasson is proven that he can get recruits. Joe Toussaint is on campus. Grant McCasson has not failed to close a guy that has visited campus yet. And now there's a good chance he goes to, T to not TCU, Kansas State, the other purple team. But you also got to feel good that he's coming to see the Womble, coming to see the facilities. Grant McCasson has a good record when he gets guys on campus. Now, I know he didn't get Tyler Perry on campus and all of that, but you got to feel good about what Grant McCaslin is doing with the program right now. And this is another big pickup. There's going to be a lot of pieces, obviously. Once we get further into football season, closer to basketball, I'll preview the team as a whole. But I think you really got to feel pretty good about the roster. Not, not that they're Big 12 contenders. Not that you're going to get that 2021 year that we got the 2021-2022 year, but that you could get a team that makes it back to the NCAA tournament. And if you could, if you can get back into the tournament missing just one year, you're, you, Grant McCaslin, you'd have to give him an A-plus on the season. All right, so some both of those, both the basketball and football programs lost a recruit, got a recruit. I th think they're in good shape either way. Baseball, 
Got a couple guys, and don't worry, I'm not giving you any bad news. We didn't lose anybody from the baseball program. We got a guy, uh, West Coast Conference, freshman of the year in 2022, Cade McGee. He's listed as a third baseman. He can play shortstop too, can likely play second base. I think that you do need, I, I still think Trevor Sanders starts at third, but having another guy that can play third is really crucial. Obviously, I like Tracer Lopez in at short. Cade McGee can definitely push him there. We'll see what Will Burns can be in the middle of the infield. We'll see, you know, obviously if Austin Green gets drafted, there's certainly a chance of that. If he stays at second base, if he goes to the outfield, but you got another infielder, which I thought you need a couple outfielders. I would love a third baseman and first baseman, and you got that, and you got a third baseman that can also play shortstop. Just some stats on this guy. 2022 and he also pitches a little not very well so i don't think we'll see him on the mound but 2022 he batted 298 2023 batted 293 now his batting average went down his slugging percentage went up from a 514 to 587 and his on-base percentage went up from a 393 to a 430 drew a lot more walks had less at bats he was injured a bit this year but only got 75 official ABs. This is a great pickup. It gives you depth. It gives you a legitimate guy who could be a starter for you. And now, in 208 ABs in 2022, he hit 10 home runs. In just 75 ABs in 2023, he hit 6 home runs. There's a lot of reason to be optimistic about this guy, especially if he continues to grow power-wise and get him playing on Dan Law Field. I think you could see some big home run numbers. Definitely a good chance that you see double-digit home runs out of this guy. The other guy we got, which is kind of a mixed bag, we needed some arms, and we got an arm. We got a left-handed pitcher. The problem is he has regressed a bit. Now, he was the guy that was holding Texas Tech to a no-hitter <laughs> the first time that we played him. Then they put him back out there. Didn't go great for him. Kind of surprised they didn't start him in that second game. That was that weird one where he got paused in the fourth inning and he came back out having a no-hitter. They decided to let him throw. Kind of surprised they didn't let their bullpen try to hold on to that lead. But then again, we saw the bullpen that came probably wouldn't have mattered. He had a 4.03 ERA in 2021. Went up a bit to 5.37 in 2022. And had a 5.4 this past year. Now, he is a left-handed arm out of the pin. If you trust Mitch Gardner to, to develop him, which I'm sure a lot of people are skeptical about. Then there, there, there's a lot of it. But what he really does, he gives you depth out of the pin. He's a good arm. And the best news is he can't hurt you again like he has the last few years. So, good pickup. You have a left option out of the pin now, an extra one. Can he be an Ethan Coombs type that uh, really nobody saw having that big of an impact and was a critical guy for you in big moments this season? It's certainly possible. It's certainly possible. And a lot's made about Texas Tech's pitching and their pitching coach with Gardner, but Coombs was good. Robinson developed well. Mason Molina got out of his funk. Zane Petty developed. Jacob Rogers really came on strong at the end of the year. Can he do similar things with this guy? It's certainly possible. He is a good option out of the bullpen for Texas Tech. 
Now, for my absolute favorite thing, some conference realignment talk. So, obviously, the Pac-12, it's not a good conference right now. It's it's going to be a fun conference to watch in football. I'm excited. I, I mean, I live in Denver, so I'm excited to have some late-night games to be able to watch. Um I remember that Oregon State-Stanford game, that crazy comeback they had. And they have a lot of good teams with UCLA, USC, Oregon. Oregon State's supposed to be good. Washington, they have a lot of good QBs, especially when you throw the Colorado kid in and then Penix out of Washington. But there's their media deal is awful. They're losing USC, UCLA. I think it's clear that Oregon and Washington don't hold the blue blood value that they thought would hold them together. I personally, and they're losing Southern California. I personally do not care if we add a single team from the Pac-12. I really don't. And my office is in Boulder. I would love to have a Texas Tech play in Boulder. I'm going up to the game in Laramie, so I would love to have that road trip. That's an easy road trip for me, a 40-minute drive, quick one, and I have a place to park at my office, but I really don't personally care because the Big 12 is way better positioned than the Pac-12 is. You have your media deal. BYU would have been a great add to the Pac-12, but they wanted to date BYU. They didn't want to marry BYU, which for the life of me, I still can't understand that. I get I get the religious aspect, I get the politics aspect, but it still makes almost no sense to me. I I mean, you have a national brand in your time zone and you don't want to add them. I just, I just, for the life of me, I can't get that. I can't get the thinking behind that. But this is the same conference that denied Texas Tech, Kansas State, Oklahoma State, TCU, all that just two years ago. So... When you throw in that thinking, it makes sense. Also, they're talking about adding San Diego State. And I'm sorry, I want nothing to do with San Diego State in the Big 12. Nothing to do with them. I I get they have potential. They're a group of five team. I'm sorry, I, I don't see the value they add. They don't carry the San Diego market. I, I don't believe they do. They're not going to carry Southern California. And then they're also talking about SMU to the Pac-12. I'm sorry. SMU, really? Like, obviously Texas, Texas A&M, Texas Tech, TCU, Baylor are bigger. And then Houston's bigger than SMU. Houston's been to multiple, multiple New Year's Six Bowls. How many AAC titles has SMU won? Honest question. And I know they're trying to come back. And I know NIL could help them. But they still... I mean, even when they were doing NIL, when you weren't supposed to be doing NIL, they still didn't win a, win a national title or anything like that. Houston's clearly a better program than them. Houston made a good transition to the Southwest Conference. I'm sure they'll do the same with the Big 12. Cincinnati, they've been to college football playoff, and as much as I hated their coaching hire, as much as I thought it was an awful hire, they're recruiting very well. UCF has no has no qualms that they're the fourth team in Florida. They believe that they are a punching up team and a team that can be bigger than Miami and Florida State. Now they can't be they can't be brand wise bigger than Miami, but could they be better than Miami? They've been to New Year's Six Bowls more recently than Miami has. They have a bigger enrollment than Miami has. They have their own stadium that isn't a 45 minute drive from campus. Miami doesn't have that. UCF could legitimately 
be bigger than Miami in 10 years. Maybe not brand-wise. They're not going to get the 30 for 30 documentary. But this is also a school, by the way, that just recently got up to FBS and started competing right away and already got themselves into a power five. I don't see the need to take any Pac-12 schools. That being said, I wouldn't mind if we took Colorado. I wouldn't mind if we took Arizona. It destabilizes the Pac-12 and all that. But I don't see the actual need for it. And if we do take schools, my personal preference is to take 15. And you all can disagree with me as much as you want here. My personal preference is take you have 12, 15, or 16 schools. I would love to have three divisions, three five-team divisions, three four-team divisions, whatever it is, whatever the number comes out to be. And at this point, yes, you want to compete for national titles, but that's that's not really the goal of any team in the Big 12. The goal of the teams in the Big 12 is to win the conference. What I would like to see you divide them into three divisions. You play your division every year. You play at least two teams from the other division. You get up to eight games. And then the division winners and the top runner-up go to a four-team playoff with the top two seat, with the top two division winners hosting. You can either start week zero or you can start week one. And then the other teams whether it's 5 through 12 or 5 through 14 and you cut the 15th team out of it, they play a game and you can go off matchups of whoever didn't play this previous year. You try to even it out. So if you didn't host last year, you host this year. And, you know, if it's not possible, then, okay, you go a year down. But it would be amazing to do that than have two 5 and 6 teams facing off or a 5 and 6 and 6 and 5 team facing off. I think that would be a lot of fun. That gives you two playoff games. That would be major TV deals. You could put one of them on Black Friday at night if you wanted to. And then put another one on Saturday night after the Iron Bowl is done. After the game's done. The Big the Big Ten, the SEC, they just already played their biggest rivalry games. And then you're on primetime Saturday night with a semifinal game. And now, I don't think it will ever happen. That's my dream scenario for the Big 12 is to do something like that that really differentiates you. It's a great te- it's a it's a great game to put on TV. And then you could also have a couple 5 and 6 games that are also going to be very interesting to watch on the last week of the season. I know with the short turnarounds it's unlikely that ever happens, but that is one idea I have for that. Moving on from conference realignment now that I've stated that I don't care if we take anybody. Uh one thing I really love, and or I'm gonna start with one thing I hate because Texas Tech just at they're they're changing their soccer field and we only have women's soccer. They're changing it from turf to grass, which I really love. That grass is a lot better for soccer players to play on, less injuries. You're not sliding on hot turf or anything like that. It's a great move, and the women's soccer team they start in August, so it's great that they're gonna be playing on grass. But the one thing I hate, Arthur Ashe came out with their, or the ESPYs came out with their Courage Award. And I don't want to sound like I hate women's soccer here. Because I don't. I remember the 2011 World Cup with the Adby Wambach scored that goal against Brazil. I remember 2015 when Hope Solo saved that penalty against Germany in the semifinals. But that 2019 team, 
That 2019 team, that that's celebrating against Thailand. Now, I get it. It's a World Cup if it's your first one. But when Megan Rapino was going to ground, kicking her leg up 55 times for making it 9 nothing against girls who were literally farmers in Thailand, not full-time professionals, it's like, okay, come on. I get it. It's a tournament. Goal differential does matter. Score 13. But be professional about it. Be professional. They got the Courage Award. They got the Courage Award at the ESPYs for their pay disputes. And by the way, I don't care if they get paid the same as men or more than men or less than men. I really don't care. That's for them and their players association to figure out. If they bring in more money than men, good. And tell you what, 2017 in Cueva when the U.S. lost to Trinidad and Tobago, I really was hoping that they would just take all the men's money and give it to the women at that point. But... To get the Courage Award for that over Peyton Hillis, who literally was in the hospital in critical condition because he saved two children from drowning, is just ridiculous. I mean, come on. The Courage Award is supposed to mean something. And they messed it up a while ago, whenever that year was, 2015 or 16. But to give the award to somebody for contract negotiations... Over somebody who literally saved somebody's life? Saved two people's life? Yes, they were his own kids. Of course, he was going to do it. But still, you're giving an award for contract negotiations over saving somebody's life? I mean, come on. Now, one thing I really love. I'm in San Antonio tonight. By the way, this is the fourth laptop I've recorded on in four weeks. I I hope it sounds well good. I had to re-download this app. I'm assuming the speakers are just very weird on this thing because all the noise that I'm seeing is coming through. But use my work laptop for a while. Then I recorded on that. Screen went to crap. Then I recorded on my friends. I recorded on my laptop from two weeks ago or from that I hadn't touched in two years. Now I'm recording on this one. And I don't know if y'all have seen the movies with the Bomb Squad where they come out with those big laptops. That's literally what they gave me. Um, it literally has a handle on it, so I carry it like can carry it like a briefcase. It is the most ridiculous-looking laptop that I have ever had. But, anyways, I was at the San Antonio Missions game, and it was their deals night. Now, they got me. They got me. It said that they have uh, $2 beers. The $2 beers were 6 to eight ounces maximum but they went with a new name for this one um it was it was quite interesting they went with a new name called the uh flying chonklas which apparently is flying flip-flops and their mascot and i'm not saying this okay i say in group chat i'm friends with three people that are from a border town one guy we used to work together, That was, he was on our tracking team in Colombia. He's from Colombia. One of them, I just sent a picture of the mascot. He just said, that looks Mexican. And it was literally a mascot walking around with a flip-flop. And the mascot would pretend to hit people with a flip-flop after, after, uh, after like a kid took a picture or something. It was pretty hilarious. The San Antonio Flying Chanclas won the game over the Frisco Rough Riders tonight, 3-2. It was a really cool game. 
Not the best stadium, the Dell Diamond. I grew up by the Dell Diamond. It's obviously a better stadium, Triple A to Double A, but really fun game, really fun atmosphere. San Antonio Missions definitely like them. Um, but that's gonna do it for this one. Now that I said one thing I hate and one thing I love, obviously conference realignments in the love category there. But that's gonna do it. Uh, if y'all have time, go ahead and give this a five star review. Um, rate and subscribe if you don't want to give it a five-star review my twitter is at jackson big one two if you want to tweet me and things at me i prefer you do that there than leave a bad review so feel free on that but i appreciate it and uh reckon